Well, good morning, Trace. Uh, it's good to be here with you guys. Uh, first, just want to say welcome uh, to any of you guys joining us for the very first time this week. Got to meet several new families out in the lobby today. Um, but if you were invited by somebody, thank you so much for accepting the invitation. Thank you for showing up uh, today. But we'd love the opportunity to get to meet you in person. Uh, let us know that you were here. And so after this uh, service is over, I would encourage you, come find either me or Pastor Aaron out in the lobby. We'd love the opportunity to shake a hand, get to know your name, and then get you connected to what God is doing here at Trace. But also just want to take a moment and say welcome to any of you that are joining us online this morning. We know that many of you guys uh, have just moved here to Colorado Springs, and maybe you're looking for a church. And so if that's the case, uh, I would encourage you to let us know when you're coming. We'd love to meet you here in person. Send us a message so we can be expecting you, because we'd love to get you connected to what God is doing here. Uh, my name is Josiah, and I have the opportunity to be one of the pastors here at Trace, and specifically, I get to work with students. But today, we're continuing on in this series that Pastor Aaron kicked off last week called Ask It, Ask It. Uh, that as a church, we want to create a culture of invitation here in this church that while, yes, we, just, we do want to invite more people to this church, uh, more than that, we want to invite other people into a relationship with Jesus, uh, that we really do believe that your personal invitation could bring spiritual transformation in somebody else's life, that we will never know. We'll never know what hangs in the balance of our invitation unless, unless we ask it, unless we ask it. And so last week, Pastor Aaron, he kicked this series off uh, by kind of talking about Jesus's very own invitation and the invitation he used for some of the people that began following him, that when we look through the gospels and you look at Jesus's ministry and you look at how he does ministry, really there's three parts of that. And Pastor Aaron, he talked about that very first part, which is this right here, come and see. Come and see that Jesus would start his ministry off with these words. He would perform miracles. He, he would perform many signs and different wonders. And he would do these object lessons. And he would teach in a way that invited people into a relationship with him. That every miracle he made made a moment for someone else. Every parable he taught on brought a prompting for another person. Uh, that everything Jesus did, all the power that he performed, it came with a purpose. And that purpose was to invite other people in a relationship with him. And we see him do this several times, but we see him actually use these very words with one of the very first disciples uh, named Andrew. That Andrew and his friend, uh, they had seen Jesus teach at some point or another, and they saw Jesus pass by. And so they run up to him and they say, hey, where are you staying? We want to spend more time with you. And this is how Jesus responds in John chapter 1, verse 39. He says, come and see. He said, it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. This was always Jesus's first step in ministry was come and see. But then his second step, the second thing he would say to people is this, uh, follow me, follow me. That Jesus was never after the, or just going after like marketing gimmicks. He, he was never after phony relationships or, or fake friendships. That when Jesus asked people to come and follow me, he, he was looking for a deep level of commitment. And if you look through scripture, you would find that Jesus, he uses those two words of follow me 13 different times. 13 different times he tells people to do that and he invites people into a better way of life. And while these words were easy for Jesus to say, most of the time, the people he was talking to is a little bit harder to live out. That this invitation, it always came with a pretty weighty expectation. For example, with Peter, 
One of the first apostles, um, Peter, whenever Jesus asks him to follow him, Peter, he has to give up his livelihood. He has to give up his profession. He has to give up everything he knows, his family, in order to go and follow Jesus. Or another time later on in Jesus' ministry, he comes across this rich young ruler and he says, Jesus, I want to spend more time with you. And Jesus says, okay, here's what I need you to do then. Go and sell everything that you own. Then you can come and follow me. And when Jesus was talking to these people, these calls were specific to the people that he, he talked to, but it usually came at a cost. And while those were specific to the people he was talking to, the call that he gives to us is not a whole lot better. That he says this in Luke chapter 9, he says, uh, then he said to the crowd, if any of you, and we can be included in that you, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and then come and follow me. That if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, then you will save it. That to follow Jesus often means we have to forfeit certain things in our life. But what I would tell you is, at least in my experience, in my time following Jesus, I would tell you that it's been worth it. That this is an invitation that truly has brought transformation to my life. But you see, after come and see, after follow me, there's one other call that Jesus has for the people who are following him, and it's this right here. Go and tell. Go and tell. That long after Jesus' ministry came to an end, after he went to a cross and died for the sins of the world, three days later, resurrected from the dead, he gathered up his disciples and he brought them to this hill in Israel called Mount Arbel. Mount Arbel is a beautiful place where it overlooks all of the Sea of Galilee and you can see all of the villages uh, that surround uh, the Sea of Galilee and he takes them up there and he says these words to them. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. And when you look at that passage of scripture, it seems like a lot. It seems like God or Jesus is requiring a lot out of us when it comes to following him. But what I find interesting about this passage is that if you were to look at it in the original Greek, there's really only one verb. There's really only one verb that we're commanded to do and it's, it's this word, go. It's the word go. That these other things that look like verbs are really what are called participles. And so what that means is that what Jesus is saying, he's saying, as you go, do these things as well. As you go, baptize people. As you go, make disciples. As you go, make sure you teach people what it looks like to follow me. That going here is the primary call to action, but it's also the thing that Jesus would have assumed that his followers probably would have done the most. And if you've been around church for any amount of time, you, you've probably seen this passage before. That it's a passage of scripture we call the Great Commission. But when I look at my life, and when I often look at the lives of other people around me that claim to follow Jesus, I think this might be better named the Great Omission. That for many of us, we don't do this very well. Like, let's just be real for a second. We don't go and tell very often. That we're okay with those first two. We're okay with the come and see. We're okay with the follow me. That we love it when God shows up in big ways in our life. We love to get to see that happen. And for many of us, that's the reason why we decided to follow him in the first place. But when it comes to that third piece, many of us ascribe to more of a stay and shut up kind of faith than, than a go and tell. That we're not very good at this. And over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of asked the question, why is that? 
Why is that, that that we're okay with come and see and follow me, but we're not okay with go and tell? And so today, uh, with the rest of our time, all I want to do is I just want to share what I think are the three biggest reasons that we don't do this very well, the three biggest excuses that we use in our life. And so we'll dive into that here in a second. But before I do that, I feel like I need to preface and say this, that for some of you that are here today, maybe you walked through those doors today and life has just been beating you to a pulp. That day after day, week after week, you are at your wits end. That maybe you just lost your job. Maybe you feel like you're about to lose your marriage. Maybe for you, uh, you came in here looking for some hope, desperate for some help. And instead you get some guy who stands up on stage and is telling you, hey, you need to invite more people to church. And you start wondering, is all of this a waste of time for me? And if that's you, first, can I just say, I'm sorry? Like, I'm sorry that that's where life is right now. I'm sorry if that's how it feels. I'm sure if I were in your position, I would feel the same way. Now, we don't want anything from you this morning. But I do believe God has some pretty awesome things for you, if you would lean in. But I'd also say that I think you're in the right place. This really is a place where you can stop pretending. This really is a place where you don't have to have your life all together. But then, like, you need to know there's nothing magical about this room. There's nothing magical about the space that we're encouraging other people to invite their friends to, but I, I have gotten a front row seat over the years as week after week, Sunday after Sunday, person after person, story after story has radically been changed by God, all because one person chose to invite another. That we wanna create a culture of invitation in this church that we want the kind of culture where when you walk through those doors, people stop judging you because of what you look like. That people stop judging you because of the tattoos that you have. That people stop scooting a chair away because they don't know you. But instead, they invite you to come and sit with them. And when you walk through those doors, there's people who are ready to greet you, willing and excited that you're here today and ready to do anything possible to make it feel like you belong in this place. Not because you're our newest project, but because you're a person that somebody else probably invited. And so to create a culture of invitation in this church, uh, in order to do that, we have to take an honest look at our own lives. And we have to look at some of the excuses that we might be using, some of the things that are getting in the way of creating that kind of culture in a place like this. And so, like I said, I wanna go through uh, what I think are the three biggest reasons, three biggest excuses uh, that keep us from inviting other people to a place like this one. And so we'll start with the first one. The first one is this, I'm afraid that they're gonna say no. I'm afraid they're gonna say no. So as many of you guys know, if you know uh, me or you know my wife, uh, summer for us is one that's full of camps. My wife, Jessica, she's the kids director here. I'm the student pastor. And so naturally we go to a lot of camps over the summer. And in the month of June, we go to four different camps. And whenever we get back from camps, inevitably somebody always asks us, uh, Josiah, which camp is your favorite? And we always respond with the classic like parent excuse. We, all, we love all camps equally, um, even though that's not true. Um, but I would tell you, I would tell you that my favorite camp, uh, that there's a special place in my heart for our middle school camp. So sorry, high schoolers in the room, but middle school camp is where it's at. And I think part of the reason that's true is for uh, middle school camp, many of the things that like plague our minds as adults like they don't even register on the brains of middle schoolers. And it makes it a ton of fun. Things like um, budgeting, 
Like the amount of middle school boys that I see with like a crisp $50 bill that their mom gave them, spend it all on the first night on like Mountain Dew and Sour Skittles, too many to count. One of my favorite moments at camp. Things like hygiene, like we don't have to shower because it rained today, right? Or uh, the amount of rhetorical questions that get answered from stage, like it's a ton of fun, right? But perhaps my favorite thing is actually what we're talking about today, which is a fear of rejection. That for many middle schoolers, like that hasn't been developed yet. And uh, for instance, this last year at middle school camp, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this, but there was a middle school boy that I'm pretty confident asked out every single girl at middle school camp. And like a couple hundred students, I think he asked out every single one. And so we're sitting him down, we're talking to him about this, and we ask him, you know, why are you doing this, man? And I love his response. He said, well, they can't all say no, can they? <laughs> and guys, there's something about that that I admire. There's something about that answer that I admire. Because somewhere along the way, we lose that. Somewhere along the way, we flip a switch in our brain that says, uh, you know, it's too risky to ask it because they might say no. That it's too uh, scary to ask it because uh, we might get rejected. And like, I've been asking myself the question, like, where does that come from? And I think for many of us, it comes from different places. Maybe for you, it was that boy or that girl that you had a crush on whenever you were younger. And you finally gained up the courage, finally gained up the confidence to ask them. You like, you did your hair, you wrote out exactly what you were going to say. You memorized it, you got some flowers and you walked in all confident and you asked and you didn't quite get the answer that you hoped for. Or maybe for you, it was a job application and you saw it online and you're like, man, I'm way overqualified for this job. So you submit a resume that's been looked over by a dozen people and you go in and you crush the interview and you're waiting for the phone call and you get the phone call and you answer it confidently and they say, hey, I think we're gonna go in a different direction. Or maybe for you, it was when you invited somebody to church and uh, they told you that they would be here and so you showed up pumped and you came in and you're waiting by the door, you got your Starbucks, you got their Starbucks and you're excited for them to show up and you're telling everybody that walks in that door, hey, my friend's coming today. And you waited and you waited and you waited and nobody ever showed up. And in that moment, whatever that moment was for you, you made a decision in your mind that if you never ask, people can never say no. That if you never ask, you can never be rejected that it's a whole lot easier for me to say no for someone than for someone else to say no to me. And what I find interesting about this fear of rejection that many of us have, it's the fact that Jesus talked about it. The fact that Jesus warned us about it. That in John chapter 15, Jesus, he said this, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. That the world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you're no longer part of the world. That I chose you to come out of the world and because of that it hates you. Like, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master, and since they persecuted me, listen, they're going to persecute you. And if they listened to me, they would listen to you. But to do all of this not because of you, but because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. But guys, being rejected, it's not something we should be afraid of. But according to Jesus, it's something that we should uh, expect from time to time. Because if there's anything I've learned about a fear of rejection, especially when it comes uh, to inviting people to a place like this, it's this, that when we are afraid that someone will say no, inevitably we will start to say no for them. What do I mean by that? That our thought process, it goes something like this. Well, yeah, I could invite them to church with me. 
I could invite them to come to Trace, but they're pretty busy. I know they just recently had a kid. I know they just started a new job. And so they're probably going to say no anyway. So instead, I just won't ask. And what you've done in that moment is you've said no for them. That you just robbed them of the opportunity to say no for themselves. And what I'm telling you this morning is never say no for someone else. Because you never know where that person is at. You never know what's really going on in their life. You never know how they're going to respond. That your invitation may be exactly what they need. For Jesus to turn their life around for the better. Never say no for someone. See, earlier this week, I heard a story of a a couple that goes to another church here in the city, and they were inviting uh, their waitress to come to church with them. And so they're out to dinner, and they said something along the lines of, hey, my wife and I, we recently started attending this church. We think you might enjoy it. And then they handed her an invite card. You want to know how that girl responded? She said, look, I've lived in Colorado Springs for the last two years, and this is the single nicest thing anybody here has done for me since. Guys, do you know how many people live in Colorado Springs who are living out her story as we speak? Do you know how many people that live in Colorado Springs that could benefit from your 30 seconds of courage, your 30 seconds of inconvenience, and the impact that that could bring to their life? Too many to count. Listen, you never know what hangs in the balance of your invitation unless you ask it. So ask it. Don't say no for someone else, because like that middle school boy said, They can't all say no. They can't all say no. And inevitably, some of them are going to say yes. And you're gonna get a front row seat of watching Jesus change somebody's life for the rest of their life. So never say no for someone. Never say no for someone. So that's the first thing. The second excuse that we tend to use is this. I don't know how. I don't know how. And guys, this is a real real thing, okay? So by a show of hands really quick, do me a favor. Um, How many of you guys would say you're a naturally socially awkward person? All right, anybody? Thank you. All right, and I'm not just talking about introverts. Like introverts, you don't own a monopoly on social awkwardness, right? Uh, Us extroverts, we get it too. So uh, yeah, me too. Like the amount of times I've walked out of uh, the TSA security checkpoint and the TSA agent says, hey, enjoy your flight. And I'm like, you too. Yep, and I'm like, shoot, I should never speak in public ever again, right? Like, we're, we can get pretty awkward. And I don't know about you, but I've made some really awkward invites to church, like some really awkward invitations to church. And I found a couple of videos this week of what it feels like inviting somebody to church. So go ahead, take a look at what these are. Excuse me, sir. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Hey, don't run from the Lord. Yeah, anyone else feel like that inviting other people to church? Yeah, me too. Um, Because we can make some really awkward invitations that we end up chasing people down or we end up talking people down from the invite that we just made to them, right? And we've made some pretty awkward invitations because for most of us, our invitation, it sounds something like this, okay? Maybe you and your wife, you're out to dinner on a Saturday night and the waiter comes and they bring you the food and they say, hey, they're trying to be polite. They say, hey, you got any big weekend? plans. And you're like, well, you know, we got church tomorrow, but really we're just going to be hanging out. And um, then you remember what Pastor Aaron said last week. And so you ask the waiter, you're like, hey, do you do do the church thing? And the waiter responds and he's like, 
Uh, you know, I used to whenever I was a kid and ever since COVID, like I've been thinking about it, but I, I just wouldn't know where to start. Like there's a bunch of churches here in the Springs. And so I don't really know where, where to begin with that. And like, guys, when this happens, I mean, come on, like it's, they're just lobbing it up for you to knock it out of the park. But if we say anything, instead we say something like this, we say, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, my wife and I, we attend a church, or I guess sometimes we attend a church, and you know, if you're ever interested in coming, like it'd be awesome if you came, if you're not busy, not that uh, you, you can't be busy, clearly you're working, and not that we need to know your work schedule or anything like that, not that you even have to come with us, but you're ever interested, we have a church that we go to, our kids, they love it, not that you're a kid, or that you have kids, or that we need to know if you're ever gonna have kids, or that you could have kids, but anyway, if you're ever interested, you can come with us, we're gonna be there, we come some Sundays, um, but I know you're busy, and so you know what, forget I said anything. And the waiter, the waiter looks at you like, okay, enjoy your meal. And then you say, you too. And then like, you're not seeing them. You're not seeing them on Sunday. I can promise you that. But we can make some really awkward invitations to church. Why? Because let's just be real. We don't know how. Sometimes we don't know how. Sometimes it is awkward. Sometimes we don't have the language to say. And so here I trace, listen, we wanna educate, we wanna empower, we wanna equip you guys to make the most effective invites possible. Not so that more people come to Trace, but so that more people can know Jesus and have their lives changed by him. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna give you three uh, phrases, three things that you can do to make your invites more effective. And if I were you and you're a socially awkward person like me, I would take a picture of these because I really do think that they're gonna help you. So the first one is this, uh, it's the one I just used. It's, hey, uh, we just recently started attending this church and I think you might really enjoy it and then you hand them an invite card. You don't have to remember any of the details, right? And that does two things for them. The, the first thing it does is it gives them one or two faces that when they come here on a Sunday, they can be looking for. One to two faces where if they don't know anybody here, they can be looking for somebody to sit with them, right? But the second thing it does is it makes it personal to them. Hey, I think you might enjoy it. Already from the point of the invitation, they know that somebody else is thinking about them that somebody else uh, is wondering whether they're gonna attend or not, and already it creates a welcoming environment. So that's the first one. Maybe that one's not for you. Uh, the second one is actually what Pastor Aaron used last week, which is, hey, do you do the church thing? Guys, I can't think of a more non-threatening way to ask somebody about their faith. And maybe they say yes, maybe they say no. If they say no, hand them an invite card and say, hey, the invitation is always open that maybe the time isn't right for them right then, maybe the time isn't good for them right then, but at least they know, hey, the invite is always open, that this isn't on our time, this is on their time. But maybe for you, you're like, nope, I don't, you know, I don't do any of that, like that's still pretty scary for me, and so if that's you, this would be the third thing I would say. I would say nothing, just leave a card. Like make it so easy, right? We wanna set the bar so low, we trip over it sometimes. Like just leave the card somewhere. You have our full permission as a church to leave these cards wherever you want. Like leave them at the water fountain at the gym. Leave them on the front desk where you work. Leave them on any bulletin board that you can find that still exists. Like leave these things everywhere because we never know what hangs in the balance of our invitation unless we ask it. And so guys, we're telling you, ask it. Use these things as a tool. Use these to make your invites more effective. And so those are the first two excuses that we use. But the third one is this, and I've felt this on a personal level at different times, and it's I'm unsure of this place myself. I'm unsure of this place myself. And so a couple years ago, uh, several years ago, my wife and I, we were attending a church that was very different than Trace. 
And we were attending there, but uh, one of the things about Jessica and I, we love to go work out. We love going to the gym in the morning. And so we were at the gym and we had started to meet all these regulars. And so we started thinking, hey, it'd be awesome if we invited these people to come to church with us. And sure enough, we were inviting them. And one of the guys was like, hey, my, my family and I, we've been looking for a church ever since we moved here. Do you mind if we come to your church? And I was like, no, that's awesome. We'd love to have you. And so that Sunday rolls around and guys like, we are pumped. Like I am jacked. I'm like getting there early. I'm running around. I'm cleaning up all the trash. I'm finding things to do to make sure it looks perfect. I'm running up to the greeting team and I'm like, look, my friend is coming today. Don't blow this. You know, and I was kind of joking, but kind of serious and um, waiting, waiting for my friend to show up. But Jessica and I had some commitments in the kids ministry. And so we waited and they didn't show up at first. And so we ran to the kids ministry, we served with the kids, and then I left early, like left and abandoned a bunch of kids in kids ministry to go see if my friend had showed up, and I made it to the lobby, and I saw him, and I ran up to him, and I was like, man, I'm so glad that you're here today, Uh, and he introduced me to his family, and we started talking, and then I asked him, I said, so be honest with me, what'd you think? And he was like, oh, you know, it was good. I think think my family probably enjoyed it, and then he said this, he said, "Uh, but honestly, I didn't understand a word the pastor said, And you're the first person to talk to me since I got here. And guys, in that moment, my heart just sank. I felt crushed. Why? Because I had finally gained the courage to invite somebody to a church. And rather than experiencing a bunch of people that invited him in, he experienced a bunch of people that ignored him. And I'll tell you this, and I'm not proud of this, but I can tell you I didn't invite a single other person to that church. Not a single other person the entire time that I was there. But I also know I'm not alone in that. That many of you guys have had an experience like that that has made you maybe a little bit gun shy. That has maybe made you a little bit uh, question a little bit more, you know, what are we inviting people to? Maybe you're brand new to this church or maybe you're brand new to church in general and you're asking yourself, you know, is this a place where I can feel welcome? Let alone the people that I invite here. And my hope is that that answer would be yes But I'll also say this, guys, we wanna create a culture of invitation in this church. And while yes, that starts by inviting people to this church, perhaps an even bigger step, an even bigger step is how we treat the people who walk through those doors. Because at the end of the day, everyone is someone's someone. Everyone is someone's someone, that at one point or another, you were someone's someone. And we have no idea like how long somebody has been praying for somebody who walks through those doors. We have no idea how many times that person has been invited before they finally said yes and took a risk to be here today. Listen, we never know what hangs in the balance of our invitation because everyone is someone's someone. And what happened to my friend, listen, it cannot happen here because we never know what people are going through. And so here is what I would say to you is if you're unsure about how we would treat the people that you invite to this church. And I'm not being facetious when I say this. If you're unsure of that, then I would encourage you to go find a church where you can be sure of that. That if you are unsure about the culture that we have here, uh, about how we're gonna welcome your friends, how we're gonna welcome your family, either stick around long enough to find out or go find a place where you can be sure of that. Because there is way too much at stake for your friends, way too much at stake for the invitations that you are making for us to get this wrong. That this has never been about trace. That we don't wanna introduce people to Josiah. We don't wanna introduce people to Pastor Aaron. We wanna introduce people to Jesus. 
whether that happens here or at another church, because we really do believe that Jesus is the only one that can save anyone. And so we wanna get everyone into a relationship with him, whether that happens here or whether that happens somewhere else. And so that being said, this morning when you came in, there should have been an invitation card on your chair. And what I'm gonna ask for you to do is we never wanna be the kind of people who walk in these doors and leave exactly the same, who walk in, hear somebody talk and leave unchanged. And instead, we wanna be the kind of people who act on what we hear. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do is here in a moment, we're gonna enter into a time of response. And for those of you who would call yourself a follower of Jesus, here's what I'm gonna ask of you. I'm gonna ask that you take some time in your chair today and just pray and ask God, God, who are some people that could benefit from being a part of a place like this? Who are some people that, that could really benefit from being in a relationship with you? God, who are some people who, who need some help? Who are some people who need some hope in their life? But don't just think about that person. No, ask God for an opportunity to interact with that person. Ask God for an opportunity to run into that person. Ask God for an opportunity to invite that person to a place like this one. But maybe for you, you don't have a name. And so instead, maybe you pray and ask God, God, give me an opportunity to invite somebody here. Whether it's in the line at Costco, whether it's you know, at the coffee shop, whether it's at your work. Guys, I promise you that's a prayer God wants to answer. That God will blow you away with how he answers. Because at the end of the day, we truly will never know what hangs in the balance of our invitation unless we ask it. And so today we wanna challenge you, go and ask it. So to close today, all I wanna do is I just wanna close with this passage from Romans chapter 10. And I think it highlights pretty well what we wanna do, but also why we wanna do that. So it says this, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What an incredible promise. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Everybody say someone. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Guys, as a church, we are sending you out not to invite more people to trace, but to invite more people into a relationship with Jesus so Jesus can change their life because we never know what hangs in the balance of our invitation unless we ask it. So ask it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for a church like this where we can invite our friends, where we can invite our family, we can invite different people that we know and you can have a real encounter with them, God. God, I pray that we would be the kind of people who are bold, who don't use excuses to hide behind, but instead, God, follow you and choose to go and tell people about you. Lord, I pray in, here in just a moment that you would just bring names to our minds, people who could benefit uh, from knowing you and being a part of a place like this. But then, God, let us follow through on that. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.